Welcome to The Stack, a weekly podcast where we discuss the latest in the world of marketing, sales, and tech. I'm your host, Sean Henry, with... Tim Staberski. And Ryan Sylvester. How's it going, guys? I'm sick. <laughs> <laughs> Cheer up, Tim. It's not that bad. I'm happy I'm just sick. Yeah? Yeah, I'm a baby. Well, how's it going, Ryan? Yeah, I'm not sick. That's good I'm good. News. Yeah. And today's uh, Thursday, March 21st, 2019. We're coming to you from Pepperland Marketing in Cheshire, Connecticut. Episode number 46. And... Uh, How's the week going, guys? <laughs> it's busy as always. Busy. Lots, yeah. of, lots of big updates happening. Yeah. Always. Yeah, it's been an interesting week. So last week we talked about the um, the core algorithm update that Google yeah. released. And uh, usually I just kind of shrug my shoulders with those things. I'm not like, meh. Um, but. But, yeah, for like the first time ever, I'm seeing a lot of uh, sites that were hit pretty hard. Yeah. And um, people are, you know. You'd, yeah. you'd suddenly see a 30% dip in your traffic and that's where all your, you know, leads. And I was watching, um, the Google hangout where last week where he addressed, uh, John addressed this. I never know how to say it. John name. M. Call him yeah, John, John M. M. John, John Mew addressed it. And they were basically saying, you know, um, or people were asking a lot of websites saw a big increase in the last update and now it's a big decrease and, and blah, blah, blah. And he said that sometimes we go too far. Sometimes you don't go far enough. So I don't know if that's an answer to this algorithm update, but it's just, you know, one answer. Yeah, I know. I, the same general conversation that you, you're talking about that he was having last week. Um, so, you know, the, the algorithm updates tend to be sort of like incremental corrections to each other sometimes. The interesting thing that I see, like where, where I've seen some dips um, in some cases, I kind of feel, not to say that the, these companies aren't, let me, let me finish my thought first. <laughs> I'm like correcting myself before I state it. Um, I, where I've seen some dips, it's where uh, a website was ranking for a keyword that I probably shouldn't have been ranking so highly for. So um, say it's a blog post or a product page or whatever it is, it's been enjoying this long period of time where at the top, they're at the top of search results and they're uh, getting all this great traffic, but the content itself is not perfectly aligned with the searcher's intent. Uh, there's some sort of disconnect. Like, you know, somebody wants something and they're kind of getting something that's almost there, but, but not, not quite, quite the right thing. And I, I feel like at least a handful of examples that I've uh, really gone deep on so far, this update is Google correcting those things. So yes, some websites that, or some blog posts that have been ranking really, really well for a long period of time, getting a ton of traffic, <coughs> are now suddenly probably very frustratingly seeing a major dip in traffic. But if you look at those keywords where they've lost ground, they probably weren't really serving those searchers well in the first mm -hmm. place. Yeah. It's, you know, you have to, you have to step back and think like, were we accidentally ranking for that? That's, that's kind of the vibe I'm getting. Um, I know this is very hard to show, but I bet you if in Google analytics, you're able to see the exact keyword that brought the visitor to the site, they'd probably see that those keywords weren't resulting in high conversions. You know, they had high bounce rates and things like that. Again, this is just a handful of keywords that I've looked at, but if this turns out to be a pattern elsewhere, um, that would be interesting. To well, see. that's just a good point to John. Um, well, thank you, Tim. <laughs> traffic is important, obviously. Yep. But I guess more, you know, more important is not, or just as important as the conversion rate. Absolutely. So if your traffic drops by 30%, but your conversion rate stays healthy or improves or increases just like you know take it from a bigger picture yeah kind of perspective um it might not be as bad as you think 
for sure, for sure. But I get it. Yeah, I get exactly. It. Like it's yeah. it it's, it hurts to see your traffic go down. It's also hard to explain that to your boss if you're like the marketing manager who's tasked with growing organic traffic, and you know suddenly that dashboard you're showing everybody sees this downward trend. Oh, hey, Sean. By the way, we're, our traffic's down like fifty percent this month. That's okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> As you look over to the TV to see if it actually is. So just kind of going off this a little bit. The, so that I, I mentioned one trend that I've seen so far. Again, I don't know if anybody else is seeing this. I haven't seen anybody writing about these things, but it's something I've noticed is I've like dug deep into a handful of sites. The the second thing I'm seeing is um, more, I'm calling it course correction in the search results for those same keywords that have historically driven a lot of traffic. So um, I'm trying to remember, it was, it was a keyword connected to, I think, biochemistry or something like that. Some sort of saying, yeah. And um, historically that keyword was driving a lot of traffic to this client's website. And um, now you see three basically alternate paths that Google's suggesting right at the top of the search results in that, in that box. And that's diverting traffic away from the number one result where historically those clicks have gone. And that's because Google probably sees in the search data that people had been clicking on the number one search result or the second or the third. And then after reading that content, realizing, okay, that's not actually what I meant to search. I meant to search for this. And they're getting ahead of that and kind of guiding people down the right path after that initial search. Getting branching off of that. Um, On a related note, I, I mean, we've been seeing it more and more lately anyway, but I feel like in the, the last couple of weeks, especially I've been seeing a lot more mixed intent yeah. search result pages um, than I was a few months ago mm-hmm. or definitely compared to a year ago. Yep. Um, so that's, you know, again, probably speaking to. Yeah. Some of I, I feel like that's a big layer of this, but even if it's not, I think it's something that content creators, SEOs, marketers in general, need to um, start thinking about more. Um, so not just how can I rank for that really heavily searched keyword, it's um, what is that searcher trying to do when they do that search? What are they thinking about? What are they gonna do next? How can my content and my website facilitate that entire journey? Um, does the content I have today meet that searcher's intent well? If not, what am I gonna do to improve it? Because even if I continue to get traffic for the next six months, eventually Google's gonna get smarter and I'm going to lose it if I don't improve. So rant over. (laughs) But yeah, a few people asked, so figured I'd share some thoughts there. Um, All right. So every week on the show, we highlight a few uh, articles or interesting developments or things that we saw that uh, we think are noteworthy that you guys should pay attention to and hopefully act on, break it down, give you a few pointers and, uh, I'm first from there. Ryan's got the first article. Yeah. So this one is uh, titled six tips for building an SEO and user experience focused main navigation. This comes from search engine journal, uh, Josh McCoy. And, um, so it's, it's a pretty tactical article. I think the first tip that he, uh, he discusses is looking at your Google analytics user flow. And I, I remember doing this a, a, a while ago. Um, a client had asked, you know, I want to know exactly where my people are going and that's, or users are going, but, and that's a great question, but he also splits it up saying, you know, it's great to know where they're going, but it's, it's even better to know where they're going and where they're converting. So the first filter he sets up is just the, um, 
the user flow movement, and then he adds a filter saying, well, okay, this user flow with conversion. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, and then the second tip is something pretty simple that we do all the time is setting up a heat map. And we we used this for one of our clients a little while ago and actually restructured their navigation. And Sean, what do you think is, mm, I don't want to say better, but like a, a giving greater insight, like a heat map, or would it be the user flow? <laughs> Putting Sean on the spot. So you're thinking like that kind of traditional like mega menu, like drop down nav kind of situation yeah, or what? Yes, yes. So the tricky thing with heat maps and those navigations is that the heat map doesn't always capture, like because the, the screen's changing, right? right? As the user interacts with it. So they could be a little bit tricky. Um, I'll usually look at a combination of heat maps, um, you know, navigation paths and things like Google Analytics. Right. Uh, if necessary, I might set up some custom events in Google Analytics and and just kind of balance multiple things. But with navigational questions, um, I think the best thing you could do is actually run some tests with real users. So, mm. you know, use that data to develop a hypothesis, like get a hunch as to what. Um, might be working well, what might not be working well, but then get on the phone with some customers and say, how would you do this? Oh, like giving them a task? So and see how they navigate. Like, gotcha. Uh, session recordings, if you can't do that. Session mm. recordings are going to be very revealing. You can you can just figure out where there's some confusion in mm. the nav. Um, Even just, what is it, user, usertesting.com? Yeah. It, it's a pretty inexpensive service. Yeah. Yeah, like um, that's, that's how you could very easily yeah. say, like, how would you find this, yeah. right? Um, but I, I guess just backing up a step, you know, why is it so important to really keep in mind your navigation structure? For, for, for SEO. Oh, for SEO? Um, yeah. Well, yeah. So like pretend you have, uh, let's pretend you're Amazon.com and you've got like, I don't know how many products they have, but like a lot. <laughs> billions, right? Like a jillion. Um, so they've got like their parent, like their main categories. Um, books, right? Movies. Food. Food, yeah. Apparel. Um, right. Now, any one of those categories could be its own massive website with its own batch of like multiple categories, subcategories. <laughs> Same is true with Amazon. Like it's going to go multiple layers deep. Um, if you if you have a, a big product offering, there's a, a very good chance that because you've come up with this pretty clever categorization for these different subcategories that you've buried the actual product pages so deep mm. that it's going to be like five, six hops for a search engine or a user to get from the homepage all the way back down to that product. Where the actual conversion is going to be made. Yeah. And if you're only thinking about UX, you might tell yourself, okay, well, if somebody wants something that specific, they're, they're just going to search. So that's okay. But that's not true for a search engine. A search engine can't use your on-site search and quickly get to the, the product, right? Uh, it, it's going to depend on links. It has to crawl those links to get to those products. So you want to have a shortcut to the stuff that's really deepest in your site. Yeah. So yeah. Interesting. Maybe it's not always possible to do that for all products, yeah. but you got to think of a way to create a little shortcut. Yeah. This article goes a little, I mean, it just, it kind of goes on to say, oh, you know, putting your top linked um, pages up in front, like not too many clicks deep. And then it goes into just mining, mind, minding the SEO basics. Is that how you say it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mining, Min minding your. Yeah. So and if you're if you're looking to restructure your nav or going through a site change or redesign, 
definitely something to check out. It's like, what what is the most important stuff on your site? What is the stuff that you want the searcher and the search engine to be able to easily find? Like that should inform. Yeah. Um, and it should be n- no more than three clicks away from your homepage as a general I rule. Think, yeah. <laughs> you looked like you were thinking. No, I just, I, I think it's, it's important to don't dilute either consideration. Don't dilute the UX consideration in favor of some SEO consideration. Don't dilute some SEO consideration in favor of some UX consideration. Yep. Treat both of those as critically important um, and address it thinking of both in mind. I think what, what, what usually happens is some SEO person, you know, shouts it says you don't have any links to this product page we need to link to it from the home page or from the navigation and next thing you know you've got like 20,000 links in the nav and you don't know where to click mm. so yeah got to balance them both yeah cool <coughs> sorry cool is what i was trying to say before that cough came um cool so i'm my my article's up next the next one that i the one that i saw this week that i thought was pretty interesting is uh it's titled the art of copywriting how to write Better Captions That Get Engagement. Um, this is by Brian Peters for uh, Buffer, buffer.com. And it, it's it's a really interesting read. It's, uh, you know, if you take you like five minutes, but it's um, sort of a, a deep dive look at what drives those engagements in terms of your social media captions. Um, won't, you know, bore you with the specifics right now, but... It's just for me, for me, the big, the big takeaway um, from the article and just in general is, you know, your social media strategy, your social media captions, um, it's content like any other content that's a part of your content marketing strategy. Um, It shouldn't be a, an afterthought. And a lot of businesses, a lot of people, um, a lot of marketers tend to think of it a bit as an afterthought, a box that you just sort of check, you know, mm. it's, it's your weekly tasks, right. like schedule, schedule the social posts for the week. Um, but it's, it, that's just not, that's not the right way to look at it. Um, and the same general rules that apply to other kinds of content apply to your, your social media captions. Um, you know, it, your your captions should be informative. They should grab the reader's attention, especially as they're you know they're they're scrolling through an oversaturated social media site, just like people scrolling through an oversaturated um, website or news site. You need a a headline that grabs your attention. When you're on social media, you need a caption that's going to grab your attention, um, and it should be something that inspires an action. You know, whether that's, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. After 10 years together, I'm selling the dog. That just makes me sad. Yeah. That would make you pause, right? That would, that would. Yeah. I think writing social media (laughs) captions are much harder than writing blog post titles. Give me a caption. Come on. A caption? A caption Um, for what? I don't know. Well, that's, so if it's it's a video, it's a video of up close hands needing a, 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 Ball of dough on a table. Okay. Wrinkly hands, old hands. Okay. You had. I'm gonna say the <laughs> caption something along the lines of, 
experience trumps <laughs> knowledge. I don't know, Sean. You I put me on the spot. That makes those terrible example. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah, that was you really gave me weak. like five. Took really a, weak. It took I a think, long time. I think mine was excellent. Again. Yeah, no. Well, but that you would, didn't say what you were captioning. Yeah, that would make me sad. I need though. to. No, Did but I need if it to. Like, <laughs> the caption was that good. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. That would be such a weird situation where after 10 years, you'd have to sell the dog. Yeah, do people sell dogs? No, not at 10 years old. Anyways. Wouldn't that be heartbreaking? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, did, do they give an example in the article? Well, they, uh, they actually give an example of a very, very lengthy. Yeah. I wouldn't sell my dog, by the way. <laughs> no. No. Well, which one? Neither. <laughs> no. Um, the video in this article is really cool, though, if yeah. you watched it. But, um, but yeah. So you, you, when when you, when you're writing your captions, um, some general guideline, guidance, guidelines, whatever, um, to keep in mind. You know, they should be short. People don't have the attention um, to read. I'd say you have like three seconds. Yeah, you have to grab someone's attention pretty quickly to keep them from continuing their scroll. Um, it should be concise. Same point. Um, it should be easy to read. You know, oh, people, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, just in general, like, any content that you're writing for the web, the general guidance is what you know, write for an eighth grade reading level. Um, or, yeah, I think it's it might even be less than that. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, you know, it's it's you have to just. But then beyond that, just keep in mind who you're trying to speak to. Keep in mind your targeted persona. Keep in mind that that audience, um, and you're more likely to be writing the kind of stuff that they actually want to read and that they'll, they'll click through that they'll like, they'll share, they'll, they'll visit your website for as you know, opposed to just broadcasting to the masses. I do think it's so one example they have. Um, it's, it's a 3d animation process. Their caption starts with watch till the end. I was just going <laughs> to say most videos start with that. 60 seconds isn't quite the best format for this, but still fun to watch. That is, I feel like that's long. Oh, I was actually going to say, um, watch till the end is huge yeah. in Snapchat. Yeah. Wait to the end. Same kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. But I don't know. Um, what I, I, I think there's, there's some good lessons yeah. to be learned here. Um, I mean, and they kind of speak to some just generally good, uh, copywriting tips. So it's definitely worth a read. Um, I get really annoyed on social media with like, um, I, I feel like people are playing other people a little too much and I don't, like that type How of so? copyright. Yeah, I'm not sure what you mean. Um, I read uh, an email auto response I got to a webinar um, that I was actually just checking out because I didn't like their shady copywriting techniques. But their uh, their emails along the lines of, you know, industry X is about to crash and burn in just oh, two months. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh, if you you know, yeah, that's yeah. If you that's... don't do this, like, I, I don't know. It's there, like those certain, we analyzed billions of blog posts and here's our data kind of thing. Yeah, there, there's certain there's certain captions that certainly grab attention and will will hook you, but there's I don't know. I there's, think there's there's, there's an ethical moral yeah. layer here. There's I think good marketing and like marketing for good and marketing for just pure riches. Yeah. And uh you gotta be careful with that. Totally agree. Don't manipulate people. In general, that's a good rule. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. End rant. <laughs> every every section should just have Sean say and rant. <laughs> I actually like this article. I think it's pretty pretty interesting. Yeah. Cool. What else we got, guys? Is it me? It's you. It me? is. It's over, me. It's over me. Over to Sean for um, some interesting HubSpot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I realize not everybody listening is a HubSpot user. So um, apologies. If 
you're thinking about HubSpot, you might find this interesting. Um, if you're using something else, you can call them up on the phone saying, why don't you do this? And if you really don't care, maybe you could skip ahead on the podcast. Um, but this is a, a product update coming from HubSpot. And uh, the update was assign objects to multiple owners using custom owner properties in HubSpot. And this is awesome. This is such a good development because most sales teams, um, most organizations will not have a single person interact with one of their customers or with one of their, their leads. Um, they will be multiple people that interact possibly at once, possibly at different stages, right? Um, and I mean, marketing, sales, customer service, yeah. three different teams. Yeah, so you've got this conundrum where you've got multiple <clears throat> roles, multiple people within an organization who need to manage the relationship with a single contact or a single company. And um, at the same time, you have this challenge where you don't want people poaching other people's, right? Like stepping on other people's toes. You don't want um, people to be overwhelmed with like the amount of data that's in front of them. So you want them to like be super focused. So this is a really good justification to restrict, say, a salesperson's access to other leads that they don't own right? Or other companies that they don't own because other people are responsible for dealing with those relationships and we want you to, to focus. So a lot of companies will restrict that access, but then they've always run into this issue where what happens when they're doing like a team selling kind of thing, or if the primary relationship is going to transfer at a certain point, if it's going to transfer a certain point, historically, you could figure out a way to reassign the contact. Yeah. But what if that person that you're going to reassign it to could have been prepping for multiple months, you know, could have been starting to develop a re relationship in advance of that transfer, right? Because of these permission challenges, was always possible. Anywho, now it is possible to have multiple people own that record, have visibility to that record, and that's because you can create these custom owner properties in HubSpot. And as they, they kind of speak to this, they say, as your organization scales, your customers will interact with different members of your team throughout their life cycle. A BDR, which is short for business development rep, or a sales rep, pre-sale and onboarding specialist, and a customer success manager, post-sale and more. Previously, blah, 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 blah. They just go through all the things I just went through. Um, but hey, now it's possible. Uh, this is available, I believe in, let me check. This believe is, it's across all levels. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Pretty sure um, the announcement said all HubSpot accounts. That's great. That's great. So if this has been a conundrum for you in the past, uh, you've got a good solution. It also unlocks a lot of really cool things you could do with like workflows. So we're going to be doing some good stuff with this. Sweet. So yeah, sorry if you don't use HubSpot, but uh, if you use HubSpot, you'll probably be excited about this. And if you don't, give us a call. Sure. <laughs> App of the week. I picked this out. Where's, Where's, the, song? Lame Where's the song? Songs. Where's the song? I don't, I'm not, I'm not singing. See, whenever we say app of the week, I think of the new Sesame Street. They've got a song called Letter of the, Letter of the Day. I don't really, I'm not, I don't watch it. I, I would. I, yeah, I know yeah. you do. I wouldn't think so, but I, I do because I've got two young kids. Yeah. So I think we should. We'll create a song. For the when, parents when, out there. When, you do sing kids, that in your head. when do kids stop like watching Sesame Street? I don't remember when um, I stopped watching Sesame Street. Yeah, I don't know. Are I'm you a parent that. against Spongebob? <laughs> Um, I don't know if SpongeBob is still around, to be honest. It is. But if he... they stopped creating it, though, nah. I don't know. I know a lot of parents that were against SpongeBob when I was yeah. growing up. I mean, I could see why. I, I, I found parts of it funny. Anyways. Yep. Um, so this app of the week is called Blogcast, and it's uh, an online application that turns 
all of your blog content into an audio file. And the good thing about that is, you know, if because of the growing consumption of, you know, audio based content like podcasts or YouTube or whatever it may be, um, this is a great way to turn the content that's getting a bunch of organic search traffic into, you know, content that can get, you know, audio search traffic. So it's uh it was actually made by a 17 year old. Yeah, my mind's still blown by that. Yeah, uh, it's it's all it, at the bot in the bottom right hand corner of his uh webs of this website it says made by a 17 year old. It's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so it 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 creates the audio version of the blog post, like I said, and it it puts it to I listened to the voice. I think it's okay. It's pretty basic. Um, the App of the week a couple weeks ago. It might have been last week. The Vo IQ. The yeah. the it's it's an it, an AI AI phone call basically. Yeah. Uh, so this is a similar thing, but only for blog content. But what happens is uh, you can download it and host it on whatever server you want, and you can embed a player of it above all of your blog posts. And on this uh, person's particular website, they do it for all of their own blog posts. So even if he's writing about I forget what he wrote about, but he's, uh, you know, he wrote about something hacking a website and he turned everything in that article into an audio file and put it at the top. So it's pretty cool. Uh, it does a bunch of different languages and accents and you get karma for supporting a 17 year old in his journey to full-time making. And it does it for 50 cents an article. Yeah. It's, it's pretty inexpensive. Um, but you know, what's different people like to consume content in different ways. Um, you know, some people, I, I personally would almost always prefer to read something as opposed to listening to it or watching a video. I'm just a freak like that. I know, Sean, don't judge me. Um, some people would rather watch nothing but videos. Some people would like to listen to a podcast while they're mowing their lawn for like the eighth time in the week. Um, not to Sean. <laughs> um, so the more that, in general, the more that you can address those different kinds of um, content consumption behaviors, the more likely you are to get people to your site and then keep them on your site. And that's that's really important um, to keep in mind. People are busy. They don't necessarily always want to be stuck there staring at a screen listening or reading Here's Here's what words. I'll say. I think that this is... No one okay. asked you. Okay. Here's what, <laughs> here's what I'll say. This is a great great idea. I think it's going to be really, I think it'll take off, but I, if, if you're turning it into a podcast, if you, I feel like you have to add some supplemental information, maybe append this to a podcast episode. I think it's unlikely that someone will sit down to listen to a two minute podcast episode about whatever. A lot of people tried doing that a while ago and yeah, yeah. it was painful. I, yeah. the long form podcasting content, I think performs a lot better than the short form. For, short firm, short form. Uh, so this is probably like a background. Maybe you're doing some kind of work and you have it on in the background, but yeah. I don't know if podcasting is the platform, but I definitely think it's cool. Ryan laying the smack down. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, it's also just, well, I mean, like, like Ryan mentioned, it's, it's this particular service and there are others out there too. They're relatively inexpensive. Yeah. It's easy enough to pick five, you know, five pieces of content on your site and run a test. Yeah. Um, 
Or if you have a generate, pillar. Well, yeah, generate these audio files, put them out there, see what the impact is. And if you see mm-hmm. your engagement metrics skyrocketing, if you see yeah. that people are just spending a lot more time on your site, think about expanding the, that tactic to other pages. It's not something you have to do all at once. Um, like it, it's very easy to but you could to piece modulate. You could piece together a campaign too. So you could turn multiple blog posts or a pillar page or whatever into, you know, audio files, stitch them together and then, you know, put out this potentially 20 minute long episode or YouTube video about, you know, a single topic, which I think there's some value there, but I don't know about the one off, you know, two and a half minute blog post conversion, but I do think it's cool. Even though I'm smacking it down, I don't know. I don't want to seem uh, cool. App though. Yeah, no, I thought it was cool. That's good. (coughs) All right. Quick lightning round guys. Lightning round. All right. New to Instagram shopping, the checkout. I think it's cool. There's definitely uh, some brands. I click on a lot of clothing apps or clothing um, ads on Instagram, and it would be dangerous for me to have my card on, like, logged on Instagram. What? I've never bought through Instagram, to be honest. No, I haven't either, but I don't, I don't think you could before. No, just, well, no, no, well, no, you, you can't like, for about a year now. But you can go to their you, website you, and right. buy it. Yeah. yeah. So this isn't this is like in app checkout. Yeah. And that's that's still in beta. Yeah. Probably a while. So definitely a good feature to pay attention to. I think, especially if you're in like, you know, fashion retail. Yeah. That kind of thing. Uh Google no longer supports rel equals next or preve. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So this is the the big update that uh we caught just before. And uh yeah, you know, I mean yeah. I, in a way it's it's nice to not have to worry about it because this is one of those things that everybody screws up. But uh John Mew did say this, like the reason behind it, I think if I'm, if I'm quoting him correctly is because they want all pages to be able to stand on their own. Sean has a problem with it. So if you're page two or page 29. Right. Right. I think blog. Right. I don't know. I'm, I'm frustrated with it because there's it's been a, I so I, I just tweeted to him. I mentioned this to you guys. I I tweeted to him like two weeks ago because I was looking at Google's documentation, the same page they just deleted, and uh, there's a little blurb about using the canonical tag on mm. this type of content. So using the canonical in combination with the rel next, you know, mm. previous prev, um, yeah. And uh, I mean, there's been a lot of really good content written about this, and um, it's at least the canonical portion is something I think a lot of people get wrong. And uh, so I, I suggested some updates to the documentation. He replied, great feedback. Thanks. I'll pass it on to the folks working on that. And then they deleted the page. So I don't know. But wouldn't you say that- This is all your fault. I think it is. Isn't the content on like a blog page number two unique to the blog? Does that not have a place? Would a user want to land there? Potentially. What if they're, what if, I mean, what if the, but, but yeah, I mean, yeah, right. To your point. So yeah. So can the information is different there if they want to? Yeah, probably. It, it is um, different. Would Google rank that second page highly? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. Um, updated sitemaps report in Google search console basically allows you to remove the sitemap. And it gives you a few more, yeah, like, some it's, other it's yeah. easier to dissect the issues that go with it. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. It's just general goodness. The last one that I have on the list is Twitter confirms a new subscribe to conversations feature for following. I don't have the rest of it. Tweets of interest. Now, tweets is of st- interest. Is that still in beta or is that? I think it's still I in beta. Yeah, they're, they're something they're working but on. But I don't, this it's, isn't like, 
it's I, just, I think it's, it's new to Twitter, but you can do that on Instagram. You can follow yeah. hashtags. So I don't know if well, it's, it's like groundbreaking. I think it's more, it's not so much like following a hashtag as it is like, you know how like on Facebook or Twitter, people just like put F yeah, and like leave a follow, comment. It's like following. they're following. They want to get the updates when people respond. Like that's what this is trying to yeah. eliminate, which I think is, like, it, it'll make for a bit, just a general better user experience for sure. Um, but yeah. Cool. You yeah. guys have anything else? I don't think so. No. 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 Find us on Everything Podcasting, SoundCloud, <laughs> iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Is that a site? I, I, I feel everything stupid. Podcast. Everything Podcasting? Is no, no. Like every... <laughs> no. Oh, you're, you're like saying... Like every, <laughs> every podcasting application that's out there. And please leave us a review. Please. So whatever, wherever you go, would love it if you guys left us uh, a quick review. Uh, it goes a long way. Um, so yeah. Like, follow, subscribe. Please do. Listen to the end. Yeah, and, and actually, you know, if you've been listening and you've been impacted by any of the things we talked about, the new updates from Google, or like, we'd love to hear from you too. Shoot so. us an email or yeah. tweet or whatever you kids do. Cool. So we'll be back next week. Peace out. <laughs>